Isn't it awesome to know that the Holy Spirit is our helper? And it can be something little or it can be something life-changing, right? So, amen. Amen. So let's keep pressing in, girls, and allow that Holy Spirit who lives and abides in us to really, we need to invite him in constantly, right? Invite him to speak. Expect that he'll show up for us. So Tammy's going to bring the word this morning, and Holy Spirit is our friend. And so we're so thankful for you, Tammy. Not only is she a brilliant administrative assistant, but she loves God, has a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit, and is a great teacher. So thank you so much. Well, good morning, ladies. I'm so excited about the topic this semester on the Holy Spirit because I've just come to know the Holy Spirit well. And you know when you know somebody really well and you want to talk about them, it's exciting, right? You want to brag about them. You want to say great things about them. And that's why I'm just so excited this semester just to bring more light on who the Holy Spirit is and how he wants to be our helper. So great, Lisa's story. And and what Sally shared at the end last week about the Holy Spirit being our standby. He's on standby at all times. So Lisa can rest because she has a standby. So that's such a a beautiful story. You know, we've been learning about the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we're all being led by something, whether you realize it or not. You're either being led by your emotions. You could be led by social media. You could be led by people. How much greater is it to be led by the Spirit in your everyday life? We've been learning about how the Holy Spirit is there for us in times of needs, how he wants to empower us to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit wants to be someone more that's just going to help you in a crisis. He wants a relationship with you. People used to say of Catherine Kuhlman that the Holy Spirit was her best friend. And for those of you who know Catherine Kuhlman, you can always look her up, but she did mighty works in her ministry during her time here with us. So I love that the Holy Spirit is there for you when we cry out for help, but the relationship is created to be so much more than that. There's another level at which he comforts us. He encourages us. He communes with us as a companion, and that's the best part of our relationship with him. It's our companionship with him. If we aren't cultivating that, then we're missing out on one of the best gifts that he's given us, and that's himself. Now, the Holy Spirit is indeed a wonderful thing for believers. Wouldn't it make sense that the enemy would try to prevent us from wanting a good relationship with the Holy Spirit, from wanting us to get to know the Holy Spirit well? Because, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one that's here with us on earth. The Holy Spirit is the one that speaks to you. He's the one that helps you. He's the one that anoints you to produce fruit in your life. He's the source of it all. And I believe the main reason many people aren't sure whether they can really hear from the Holy Spirit is because they haven't engaged with the person of the Trinity who is here, and his assignment is to speak to us. It's the Holy Spirit. So if he's the source, then wouldn't the enemy's strategy plan to be to take out our source? But the enemy can't take out our source. Jesus defeated him. So the enemy's plan is to minimize him, to make him seem not important, probably the less important part of the Trinity. He makes him seem weird, or he makes people do weird things. You hear a lot of things about the Holy Spirit. 
So it shouldn't be a surprise that the Holy Spirit has become something that could be very controversial to people and has caused people to back away. I don't think I really want to get too involved with that. I've seen kind of things that the Holy Spirit has done to people. For myself personally, shortly after I got saved in my early 20s, my husband and I started going to a Baptist church. So it was a pretty conservative church. And it was the only church we knew of at the time. It had been there once for a Christmas place. So we decided, all right, well, let's go check out this church. But then all of a sudden, my husband was reading the Bible, and he started reading about things about the Holy Spirit, how he's there for us, that he's a gift for us. And then, you know, he would start doing some research. We saw some things on TV. And I had no experience of the Holy Spirit before that time. I never heard of him. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I didn't know anything about him or the gifts of the Spirit or speaking in tongues. So when I first saw these things, I thought they were so weird. I just, I couldn't understand it, and it made me want to just step back. I didn't really want to get too involved with it. But then my husband kept reading. He kept reading the Word. He'd go and talk to our pastor about it, and he'd say, no, 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 you know, that's not something you really want to seek. But he couldn't help what was speaking inside of him. He was hearing that the Holy Spirit is there as a gift in the Word of God. So he kept encouraging me, and eventually I opened myself up. I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I began my personal close relationship with him. And you know what? He was anything but weird. He was anything but different. And I learned a really important lesson then, that we should never judge the Holy Spirit based on people's actions. We should get to know the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. That's our source. That's where we should learn about his character, his nature, who he is. Don't base it on how somebody's acting or something that you may see on TV. You'll see a lot of wonderful things, but you're also going to see a lot of things that maybe aren't so wonderful. But that's why our source should always be going back to the Word of God if you want to know who the Holy Spirit is. Now, Jesus said in John 15, 15, This is inside your handouts. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I've heard from my father I have made known to you. So you can see here that God longs for friendship with the Holy Spirit. He longs for friendship through the Holy Spirit with his people. And through the Holy Spirit, we have a connection, a continual connection with God available to us. The Spirit desires to do life with you. So how do... How do you commune with the Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit speak to us? Many believers say that the voice of the Spirit sounds a lot like their own thoughts or their own self-talk. It's because when the Holy Spirit wants to communicate with you, he needs to communicate with your born-again human spirit, which then communicates to your mind. So it does sound like yourself, your own self-talk. But with time... And, and experience, you get to know the difference between your own self-talk and the voice of the Holy Spirit. Pouring out our heart to God in prayer is one way that God can talk to us, but renewing your mind through reading and meditating on the Word of God is one of the most basic ways that you can allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you. My daughter, who's eight years old, She's been talking to me this past year or two about hearing from God. And she said, I try try to talk to God and I try to hear from him, but he never speaks back to me. She's practiced doing it. You know, they kind of teach them some things in Sunday school of how to hear from the Holy Spirit, how to hear from God. But she says, I'll sit in my bed and I'll talk to God. I'll close my eyes and I'll listen really hard. And she says, nothing. She said, God doesn't talk to me. 
So I was just, you know, praying with her and encouraging her. But then I shared this with my table last, um, last week that the week before my daughter was training for running for cross country, she has a passion for running, and she was really wanted to run 30 laps in her training, and she was on her 29th lap, and she was getting really tired. And the girl that she was running with, training with, stopped and walked, and she really wanted to stop, but she said all of a sudden... She remembered her public speech that she memorized the year before, which was Isaiah 40, verse 31, that says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. And she said when she remembered that, it just made her keep running. And she said she kept thinking it over and over and over again until she finished that last, that last lap. And I was just so excited to hear that. And then with everything we've been learning here, I told her, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You have studied that word. You, you read it over and over and over again. You memorized it. You got it right deep inside you. And you had to speak it over and over again. And at the right time, when you deposit the word of God inside of you, the Holy Spirit will bring it out at the right time in your time of need. That was her first step of experience in the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it was so great to see her response. I said, that was God speaking to you. And she's like, it was? <laughs> she didn't recognize it. And that's where people miss it. They don't recognize when the Holy Spirit is actually speaking to them. Let's take a look at John chapter 10, verse 1 through 5. It'll go up on the screen there for you. It says here, let me set this before you as plainly as I can. If a person climbs over or through the fence of a sheep pen instead of going through the gate, you know he's up to no good, a sheep rustler. The shepherd walks right up to the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate to him and the sheep recognize his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow because they are familiar with his voice. They won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. And then in verse 27, if you jump in head, it says, My sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, five times in these verses, Jesus refers to either the shepherd talking or the sheep hearing the shepherd's voice. And we are Jesus' sheep. And according to his word, we can and we should be hearing his voice. So how can we develop a close friendship with the Holy Spirit where we could come to a place that we can regularly commune with him, where we can hear his instructions and be bold and full of courage to move on them? You see, an important truth to remember here is that the Holy Spirit doesn't want to run your life. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is here to be our helper. So he doesn't want to make all your decisions for you. He doesn't want to run your life. He wants to help you if you will allow him to help you in your life. I believe there is some great steps that you can take and develop in this. I want us to dig into Daniel chapter 2 this morning. If you brought your Bibles, you can open up to there or the scriptures will be on the screen. But I just love the story of Daniel. I've been recently going through this through our Bible readings. And if you ever have time, it's always great to go back and just read about Daniel and just really see the close relationship that he had with God and the steps that he took. Whenever you see someone in the Word that produces great results, it's important to go and dig in why they produce those type of results. I want to dig in and see what did they say? What didn't they say? What did they do? What did they think? How did they act? This is important because if you want to replicate those results, you need to replicate what they're doing. 
So chapter two is all about Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He's in his second year of his reign, and he started having these dreams that really deeply disturbed him. And he called all the magicians, the fortune tellers, the sorcerers in to come and interpret his dream. And the sorcerers and fortune tellers, they wanted the king to first tell him what his dream was so that they can interpret it. But King Nebuchadnezzar said, no, I know that you guys are just trying to trick me. So you tell me what my dream is first and then tell me the interpretation. But they said, oh, king, no, no king has ever asked someone to do this. This is not possible to do. And the king got very upset, lost his temper, and he ordered the whole company of the Babylonian men to be killed, all the wise men. And that would include Daniel and his companions. So we'll pick up here in Daniel chapter 2, verse 14. It says here, when Arioch, chief of the royal guards, was making arrangements for the execution, Daniel wisely took him aside and quietly asked what was going on. Why this all of a sudden? After Arioch filled in the background, Daniel went to the king and asked for a little time so that he could interpret the dream. Daniel then went home and told his companions, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what was going on. He asked them to pray to the God of heaven for mercy in solving this mystery so that the four of them wouldn't be killed along with the whole company of the Babylonian wise men. Now in verse 15, it says that he asked the king for time to interpret his dream. He knew that he needed God's wisdom to solve this dream, and he didn't try to rely on his own wisdom. How many times do we want to jump to our own actions, jump to our own solutions, instead of first asking for time and going back to God, getting before the Holy Spirit and asking for his guidance and his counsel? And then in verse 17, 18, he ran and told his companions to pray. He didn't ask them to solve his problems. He said, you pray to the God of heaven uh, to help solve this mystery. It's really important that you surround yourself around friends, who won't try to solve all your problems, but are going to invite the wisdom of God into your situation. Because sometimes friends solving your problems will bring a lot more confusion to your solution than it will actually solve your problems. But you want to be with friends who will sit there and pray with you. Pray that God will give you the answer. Because that's our relationship that we should be having with the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you the answers himself directly to you. So we go ahead here in verse 19. And that night, the answer to the mystery was given to Daniel in the vision. Daniel blessed the God of heaven, saying, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. He knows all, does all. He changes the seasons and guides history. He raises up kings and also brings them down. He provides both intelligence and discernment. He opens up the depths, tell, the depths, tells secrets, sees in the dark, light spills out of him. God of all answers, all thanks, all praise. You made me strong and wise, and now you've shown us what we asked for. You solved the king's mystery. In these verses, this is where, when you take a look at this, this is where a lot of times many Christians miss it. When the answer came to Daniel, he blessed the God of heaven lavishly. And do you see how he kept saying, you, 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 you. He put it on God. He put it on God to get the answer. And then he gave God all the credit and all the glory because he recognized that the answer came from God. With my daughter, she doesn't recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit yet. So she gave no credit to the Holy Spirit helping her out. It was just a thought that came to her. If we don't give the Holy Spirit credit for what he's doing, then we don't get accustomed to know his voice in our lives. We pray, but we forget to go back. Now, a lot of times in this situation, it's Daniel prayed, he got the answer, and then he moved. And it happened with close proximity of time. But a lot of times we pray, 
And then it's the answer, and then we move. And in that gap, we forget that the Holy Spirit is working for us. He made it all work out, and then when the answer comes, we forget to give the Holy Spirit all the credit. We'll say things like, oh, something just, I just felt like I should do that, or something told me. We say something, we relate it to a thing, and we don't give the Holy Spirit the credit. So then here it says, Daniel ran to the king. In verse 26, the king asked Daniel, are you sure you can do this? Tell me this dream I had interpreted for me. Daniel answered the king, no mere human can solve the king's mystery. I don't care who it is, no wise man, enchanter, magician, diviner, but there is a God in heaven who solves mystery, and he has solved this one. And then Daniel goes to proceed to share the dream and interpretation. In verse 26, the king said, are you sure you can do it? Daniel could have said very simply, yes, I can. But Daniel was trained. He didn't put any pressure on himself. In that moment, he gave all the credit to God. He said, no, I can't, but the God of heaven can. He made sure to give God all the credit. And then verse 46, when Daniel finished, King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face in awe before Daniel. He ordered the offering of sacrifices and burning of incense in Daniel's honor. He said to Daniel, your God is beyond question the God of all gods, the master of all kings, and he solves all mysteries. I know because you've solved this mystery. And do you see here at the end, Daniel had the king confessing that God is the one who did it, not Daniel. He kept saying, your God, your God. When we do things right, people won't be confessing that you're great, that the God behind you is the one who's great. So there's a pattern here that you see, and you'll find this throughout scriptures when you look at many men of God. It's the same pattern. They went immediately to God in prayer. They waited to receive direction and answers, and then they gave God all the credit and glory, and then they moved. They recognized that it was God and not themselves. It's making it more about him and less about you. And as he gets bigger in your life, your efforts actually become less. Your strength becomes less. You learn to put the pressure on God and not on yourself. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, to labor to enter his rest. That's the only time you're going to find in the New Testament that God tells you to labor. And it's not labor to solve your own problems, labor to to find your own solutions. It says to labor to enter his rest. Because when we are in his rest, then now he can move on our behalf. I want to share with you a story of how I first began being led by the Spirit and started developing a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. As I mentioned, early in my 20s, I got saved, and at the time, I was working in recreation, and it was probably about four or five months after I got saved that I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And earlier that year, I had taken three weeks off work to go to South Africa for a church conference that was going on there. And it was an amazing time of growth for me. And then we were coming out to the end of the year and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit put a desire in my heart. I wasn't even sure at the time if it was the Holy Spirit or what it was, but there was a desire in my heart to go to another conference that was happening that year in Nigeria for a week. It was another ministry conference. And I don't know what it was, but I just felt like I had to be there. And that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. So I started looking at my time off, seeing how I can make it work with shifting my days around, giving days away. And with doing all that, I figured out that I would be one day short of a time off. So I asked a coworker if she would be willing to take that day. And she was totally all for it. So I went to go and present my case to my boss. I thought I had a very good case and I went in to meet with her to to ask for this time off and she gave me an adamant no. 
it was no. She didn't really have any reason. She just said, nope, I need you here. So I left, you know, this is early my walk with God, and I just left feeling discouraged. I'm like, huh, I guess I missed it. I really felt like I should be there. So the next day I was just praying, and then that desire just kept stirred up inside of me. I need to be at this conference. So with learning about the Holy Spirit, I remember what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14.4. It says, he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. That word edifies means to build yourself up, to, to create boldness, to strengthen the inner man. So I did what only knew what to do then. I just started praying in the Holy Spirit. I was going up and down my hallways, just praying. And you know, at the beginning, you, you start from... Um, a position that you're feeling a little discouraged, you're not sure what's going on. But as I continue praying in the Holy Spirit and start declaring his word, you start walking faster, you start holding your shoulders up higher, you just move until you know that I'm good, I'm ready to go again. And you know, I really encourage you ladies that you need to set time aside when you get the house to yourself, to spend time with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's different when there's people in the house. It's different when there's people around with you. You need that liberty to spend time in the Holy Spirit. If he wants you to pray loud, you need the liberty to pray loud. If he needs you to sit there and be quiet in a corner for a few minutes, that's what you should be doing. If he needs you to get in that mirror and talk to yourself, that's what you need to be doing. And you don't always have that liberty or feel that liberty to do that when you have people at home. I often will send my husband and the kids out of the house just to say, I need time to spend time with the Holy Spirit and to pray. So I prayed, I was built up, I got my courage, I went into work the next day and presented my case again to my boss, and she said, no, I'm not changing my mind, no. So <laughs> went home again, and again, I'm kind of a little, what do I do? So I did the same thing, because that desire did not leave. I prayed again, I did what I needed to do at home to create the boldness, and I went back into work the next day. And at this point, I don't think my boss knew what to think. She was, <laughs> I felt like <laughs> Moses going to Pharaoh saying, let my people go. <laughs> She looked at me and she said, I'm not going to change my mind, but if you want to go and speak to the director about this, and if she gives you the approval, then I'll let it go. So there was my hope. So I went back home again, and I just prayed, and I got myself ready to go in and meet with the director, and I'm a young 20-year-old at the time, so that was a little overwhelming for me to have to go in and trying to fight for an extra day off when I had already had quite a few time off that, that year. But I went in. I had prepared a big speech to give to her. I was maybe in her office for a minute and a half, and she said, yeah, you can take that time off. Go. That's fine. <laughs> you know, I felt like what she said to me there or what the Holy Spirit was saying through her there you have passed the test, you may go. The Holy Spirit was training me to hear his voice and to trust that I heard his voice. It would have been easy just to go back and say, well, I guess I'm not supposed to be there. But I knew that I heard from him. And by praying in the Holy Ghost, spending time with the Holy Spirit, he created the pathway. He gave me the direction of what to do to bring me to a place to go where he had asked me to go. And I know why he wanted me to send me to those conferences in that season, in that time. He wanted to 
fill me with his spirit. These were conferences where I was there 12 hours a day, seven days a week, just getting the word. And with someone being new in their faith, this was an amazing time for me to build up and develop that friendship, that communion with the Holy Spirit. So this is where my friendship with him really began. And I use the same pattern over and over again with the Holy Spirit, spending time with him. And it's the same pattern that Daniel used. It's getting before the Holy Spirit, going to him, seeking him for his counsel, getting his direction. And then when he gives you that direction, you give him all the praise and glory. I knew that that wasn't me, that what happened in that office, because I'm not naturally a really bold person, a person that kind of pushes your way through. That's not me. That was the Holy Spirit that was working inside of me to do it. But you have to remember that the Holy Spirit gives you boldness, but it's not a reckless boldness. I was not, um, I was not mean to my boss. I was not. I didn't try to, you know, supersede her in any way. I respected her. I asked very nicely. It's a boldness that causes you to take action and boldness that causes results in your life. Sometimes he'll give you boldness to move, and sometimes he'll give you boldness and the grace to stay put and wait. But in that time, in that season, he gave me boldness to move. You know, we can be so close and real with the Holy Spirit. He desires such a close friendship in our lives. He wants to help you and guide you in everything that you do. He wants to commune with you daily. I want to finish with this testimony because since I'm talking about um, my time at this retirement home, I'll tell you how I moved (laughs) careers from this retirement home. So coming about a year later, I had the same supervisor. And honestly, I don't think that this supervisor really probably maybe had good experience with Christian Christians in the past. He didn't quite seem to like Christians. I'm not sure why. But coming to a year, all, my, my schedule at my job was I worked every second Sunday, one to nine, so I can go to church on Sunday mornings. And this worked well for both of us because they needed people to work Sunday evenings in the home. So it, it mutually benefited both of us. So I would, and the time, the church that I was attending at the time, I needed to be there every Sunday morning. And then one day out of the blue, my boss called me in the office and said, I need you to start working Sunday mornings. There is a next schedule coming out in two months. She said, I'm going to start scheduling you Sunday mornings. And I told her, you know, I was trying to ask why. And I said, I can't come and work on Sunday mornings. The role that I have at my church, I need to be there on Sunday mornings. And we went back and forth, back and forth. She wasn't changing her mind. And she said, well, in two months, I'm going to schedule you on a Sunday morning. And I said, well, that's fine. I guess I need to make a decision then because I'm not going to work a Sunday morning. And then I walked out of the office, and I'm like, what did I just do? (laughs) I just told my boss basically that in two months, I'm quitting because I won't work a Sunday morning. But you know why I said that? This wasn't just a rash move. A few months leading up to that, I was already feeling the Holy Spirit guiding me that my time, my assignment in that season was over at that home, and he was preparing a new assignment for me. But, you know, you get comfortable with where you work, and moving jobs can seem overwhelming, and so you... You just kind of get comfortable in where you're at. And I remember listening to a Joyce Myers message when she said when God told her to leave her job and she wasn't obedient, that she got fired. And she said she was a good worker. 
So, okay, I said to myself, I have two months now to find another job. So, frantically, I started, you know, sending resumes everywhere, trying to, you know, find a new career, a new job. And I got one job offer in that month, but it was for a job that was going to be kind of going a bit back in my career. I would get paid a little bit less money, a bit less hours. Yes, I wouldn't be Sunday mornings, but it wasn't where, you know, the direction that I wanted to take. So I actually declined that position. I didn't take it. So now here I am. I have one month before I said that I would not work a Sunday morning. I had one week of holidays left, and I said, well, since I'm leaving, I better use it. So I had booked that week off to take time to pray and to look for that job that I needed. Well, during that time, there was a conference that was happening in Toronto that our church was putting on. It was a healing school conference. They had a lot of people coming in, and they really wanted me to be there to help with that. So I prayed, and I said, okay, well, I'll help for one or two days, but after that, I can't because I need to find a new job. Otherwise, I won't even be able to be at church. So I went there the first day, and after the first day, I knew that God wanted me there for the rest of the week. I couldn't understand, but I said, Lord, if you want me here, I will do it, but you know (laughs) that I need a job, but you've called me to be here. So that week, I left my job hunt with God, with the Holy Spirit, and I served there. I drove to Toronto early in the mornings, came back late at night. I didn't even actually have time to even think about looking for another job. So I served that whole week. It was a blessing. I had such an amazing time there. It was such a growth opportunity for me. And then the Tuesday after I came back, I'm down to three weeks now, I got a phone call from Manulife. They said they wanted me to come in for an interview. And I said, but I didn't even apply for a job with you. (laughs) And we were trying to figure out how they even got my resume. Well, we couldn't figure it out. And they needed someone very quickly. You know, a lot of times with companies like Manulife, it takes normally about two months, sometimes three months to get a job with them. But they needed someone quickly. And the reason why they wanted me, even though I had no insurance background, no business background, was because I was bilingual. So they quickly brought me in for an interview, did all the testing. Within the next week, they offered me a job that was going to be $5 more an hour than what I was currently getting paid. I wasn't going to have to work Sunday mornings. It was a great place to work. And you know what they said? They said that my boss gave me a glowing reference. She gave me one of the best references. And I think back, I'm like, I don't know why she gave me that. It could be two reasons. Either that she knew that I was a good worker, and I was, and she gave me good reference, or that she was so tired of me that she wanted me to move along. (laughs) A big thing that I learned about there is that God needs you to get out of his way sometimes. When you're trying to, you know, find the solutions, I knew I needed a job, but, you know, here I'm already getting confused with this one job that, you know, I'm trying to debate whether to take. He needs you out of the way, which is why God calls us to serve. You know, if you really understand the blessing that you receive when you serve, you would be signing up to serve all the time. Because while you're serving, while you're busy not paying attention to all your prayer requests, all the things you want, he's working on your behalf while you're doing what he's called you to do. You see, the Holy Spirit can't come and open the doors and say hello to someone. The Holy Spirit can't go in the kitchen and prepare food, but the Holy Spirit can work on your behalf. He can heal you. He can set the right person at the right place at the right time for you to run into to hear the right word. That's the Holy Spirit job. Your job is to get before him, to hear from him, 
and then leave it with him while you're serving, while he's telling you what to do, where to go, where to move. That's our walk with the Holy Spirit. And as we continue to do that, we experience that fellowship. As you build that relationship, you begin to hear him easier. And then you begin to produce his results in your life. And you know, sometimes you can get frustrated when God's put somebody in your life that's given you a hard time. You need to ask why God's put that person there. Because that person is often set, set, God is setting you up with that person for a blessing. I could have been so frustrated with my boss feeling like she's stopping, trying to stop me from doing this. She's trying to stop me from, you know, going to church on Sunday mornings. But God put her there strategically for a reason. He needed me to move and he needed someone to help me to move. So we need to always reflect and ask, why is that person there in my life? Not just to talk, not just so that you just talk bad about them and just get frustrated with them. No, why is this happening right now, Lord? You reveal this to me. I'm not going to try to figure it out. You reveal this to me. That's all the time I have this morning, ladies. I just so thankful for. Thank you. It's a privilege to walk with the Holy Spirit. It really is. He's there with you all the time. It's not like the Old Testament where he would come on David and where he would come on them. No, he had to come and go. Now he's with you all the time. So we, it is a blessing for you to want to develop that close and personal relationship with him where you're listening to him daily, where you're getting into the word and reading it and memorizing it so that it can flow out at the right time, where you're taking time to pray and communicate with the Holy Spirit. That's the life that God's called us to live here on this earth. We're just going to take a few minutes now just to be quiet before the Holy Spirit. We're just going to close our eyes. The room's going to be silent. I encourage you just to stay in your seats if you can. In about three or four minutes, and there's just going to be some soft music that will come on just to wrap up the time. And after the music is over, we can get into our table discussions. Father, we just thank you for the precious gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you, Father, for who he is and all he wants to accomplish in us. Father, I thank you for giving us ears to hear, Lord, that you would quiet our minds, quiet our thoughts, Father, that we could connect ourselves to the voice of the Holy Spirit who's always speaking to us, who's there to always help us, who wants the best for us, Father. So we thank you for that guidance in our life. We thank you for that friendship in our life, Father. And we thank you for the daily testimonies that come out with our time with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.